Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, listener. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to episode 60, and this week Renault's joined by a special guest. His name is John Munro, and he's an American expert on logistics and sea freight. As you may know, the industry at the moment is gripped with crazy high prices and long delays. So let's get to the bottom of this with John and get an understanding of what's causing all of this. Okay, Renault, take it away. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, China Manufacturing Decoded. And this week, I'm talking with John Monroe, who has been involved in logistics and especially Asia to US uh, logistics for more than 30 years. And we're going to cover the current situation with the difficulty of sea freight, of, of getting the goods across the oceans and the extremely high prices. And we, we heard from many importers that this is really uh, uh, a very big concern of theirs. So, hi John, first, can, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and what you've been up to? Sure. Hi, Renaud. First of all, thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I, I think it's very important to clarify a, a lot of misperceptions about what's going on and, and how this has come about. You know, my background includes, I, I started out on the carrier side with container shipping lines. I run a couple of NVOCCs, both global and trans-Pacific. And in 1998, I founded John Monroe Consulting. And I work with a whole host of clients. Uh, today, I represent a large China-based NVOCC, Worldwide Logistics. Um, I also have a tech platform that factories uh, book against orders online. And you know, since March of last year, I've been tracking weekly COVID, and I provide a weekly update that, that anybody wants to be on the distribution list. And I, I, I found it important because I was, you know, I was quarantined in China when this first came down, and I was on the second to last Delta flight coming back to Seattle. And I, I recognized how serious this was and felt that the, in, in the United States, not a lot of people were taking it that serious. So I ended up, um, you know, my China team helped uh, our clients understand when the factories were reopening. But when COVID came to the US, they didn't know what to do. So I created this update blog, if you will, that goes out every Thursday that talks about all the facets of COVID in the supply chain. Well, that's pretty interesting. We'll, um, we'll include a, a link to that in the show notes because I guess some people are interested in, in, in getting your, your updates. Is, so it's weekly updates, right? That's what you mentioned? Yes, yes. So I have to, Sunday afternoon, I start, start it all over again every week. Okay, that, that's nice. Well, then if you've been tracking that since March of last year, so you've seen really the situation get from normal to there's very little demand to where we are today right yes. and can you give us a sense of actually what happened what are the factors that led to the situation that, that we're in today because a lot of people are still wondering what exactly is going on sure um for, first of all you know the when this happened when everybody began shutting down china shut down first and of course China is different than the U.S. They shut down completely. Um, and, and we could see, and because I was on the phone with China, you know, basically nightly, 
and on WeChat, you know, I could see how they were handling it and how effective it was. Uh, when it came to the U.S., of course, we had a little bit of a, a different uh, approach to it. So we struggled with it for a long time. I, I think that, you know, as we started opening, what I, what I really noticed, um, you know, in May, you know, that's about the time that the contracts with the carriers for the North America trade are negotiated. Every year they initiate blank sailings to tighten the space, to keep people, you know, um, focused on keeping the rates up. What nobody expected was um, as soon as those contracts were concluded, they had three GRIs and a PSS within the first four weeks. So, so rates were climbing. But what so, really I think, just, go ahead. Just to make sure I get it. So you mean that in May, basically they're trying to project how much demand is going to be in the next right. year, right? And then in May, obviously, I mean, people were kind of thinking demand is not going to be very high in right. the next six to 12 months, right? There's a big accident basically. And China is not shipping much. And so, so the projections were probably lower than the previous year. W would that be correct? Yes, yes. I mean, everybody thought uh, that the market was going to crash. Nobody was going to buy. How however, e even in May, we could start seeing the market sort of come back May, June. But whatever the market is, um, you know, when you initiate blank sailings, you know, you keep the capacity below what that market is. And I, I believe the carriers kept it about five to six weeks too long. And, and, and so all of a sudden you had this backlog. And in July, uh, there were 18 extra loaders, meaning extra vessels that, and by then they, they'd stopped the blank sailings. And that represents about 180,000 TEUs. So mm -hmm. about 18 extra loaders in a four week period that went into Southern California. So you, you had a tightening and it's almost like a slingshot effect. You know, when that happened and all the, the, the containers started coming into LA Long Beach, um, truckers started, you know, sucking up the chassis and hoarding them. So that was the first, you know, that was the first of all of a sudden we find that there's a, a shortage of something was really the chassis in Southern California. And then as time went on, demand started to grow because the US shut down. And what a lot of people didn't realize is as people shut down, they had nothing better to do. So it's what I call the add to cart mentality. So everybody took that mentality and started adding to cart and uh, things were delivered to their house and people started working on remodeling projects, working remotely. Um, and all of a sudden we had this massive surge, if you will, that, that hasn't stopped since that time. All right, yes, a lot of home office products, gym equipment, do-it-yourself sort of home renovation products, yes. power tools and so on. Th these categories have been pretty hot. Uh, we've, we've seen and, that. And so of course, in the beginning, there was a lot of PPE, meaning the, the masks, the, the gloves. Um, and it, I mean, it was huge. It was huge. So. Right, right. And then, so now you're taking us to, let's say, summer of 2020, right? So you, you're starting to have a surge in demand, but at the same time, shipping capacity has not really been allocated, uh, you know, based on that much higher demand. So what what happens then? Why can't it, you know, go by, like, people have been sort of putting capacity 
can can they just add capacity and then the system gets back to to normal? Well, you know, as as rates begin climbing, you you would see Asian ports allocating equipment and space based upon the highest rate. What that meant was, you know, when you look at the trans-Pacific trade, you have a natural imbalance of about 2.5 to 1 in favor of imports as opposed to exports. But if you start allocating equipment elsewhere, Europe, whatever the highest rate is, you don't have that equipment balance anymore. And that's that's sort of what's happened to, to throw everything out of sync with the equipment is it was going to wherever there were high rates, South America. Um, you know, I, I heard of one equipment control manager, you know, he would uh, for a carrier that won't, won't uh, will remain unnamed, but he'd allocate it based upon the highest rate. So equipment started going everywhere. And of course, by Christmas of last year, I, I would say, you know, North America wasn't as bad as the UK. You know, uh, you may remember that in the UK, carriers were dropping things off in, uh, you know, in mainland European ports that were destined for the UK and saying, come and get your containers. And people were having to find a way to get them you know, to Felixstowe or wherever they were destined for. Mm. And, and so that was, that was the UK's Christmas. Oh, yes. And when you say it went to the, the, the highest rates, the people willing to pay the most, was PPE still playing a role there? Because I think people were desperate at one point in paying whatever they had to pay. Or was it not very closely related to PPE? Well, it wasn't necessarily related to PPE because, you know, everything was surging. I think what the CEO of one e-commerce company basically said that they believe that that what happened under COVID is it pushed the, the development of e-commerce activity forward maybe five years. Because, you know, what, what's that old adage? Once somebody does something over a period of time, it changes their behavior. Well, you know, prior to COVID, a lot of people didn't want to book online, didn't want to order online. But since there was no, no choice, uh, people became comfortable with ordering online. And, and so, you know, uh, whenever COVID goes away, I, I think online shopping won't. Um, and, right. and the way I always tell everybody is we have two pandemics here. We have COVID and we have a container pandemic. And, 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 that, and that, that has spread. So, um, and, it's, and it's this year, it's gotten worse. Because what it means is, you know, people talk about the supply chain. What people don't talk about is the asset chain. And by asset chain, I mean container to terminal, to ship, to terminal, to truck, to terminal, to railroad, to truck. You know, that chain that we took for granted has broken. And those asset-based companies and chassis provider, they're not talking to one another. So today, if, if we look at what the situation is in the U.S., you have basically a log jam and all up and down the US. So in Seattle, for example, we have Terminal T18. Um, they've only been working one gang rather than three for the vessels, which have slowed it down quite a bit. And the reason that is, is because the railroads are not picking up the containers off the terminal fast enough that are going inland to Chicago, Minneapolis, and all the inland locations. So they can only work so fast. And, and what that is, is, is doing is it's backing everything up. So probably the hottest spot in the U.S. right now is Chicago uh, because it's hard to get to Chicago. And once you get to Chicago, you know, the old, I don't know if you know the musical group Humble Pie from the 70s, their song 30 Days in the Hole. As I, I think I said last week, if you go into 
Seattle T18, or if you go into, into Chicago Global 4 Intermodal Terminal, you got 30 days in the hole. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, basically in that case, that link in the supply chain, the, the, the railway has not been able to ramp up its capacity based on what it was doing in the previous years. That, that is the key problem here. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Today, that, that is more of the problem. So LA Long Beach used to have 50 plus vessels, you know, waiting uh, for a berth. That's that's now about 16, you know. So it's it's gotten better on the ship side activity. It's gotten through the COVID, um, uh, you know, infections uh, with labor. But what it hasn't gotten through is is getting those uh, the IPI containers uh, off their terminal uh, by the railroad. And and what has happened uh, as a result of that is in in China, in Asia, um, a lot of the carriers stopped accepting IPI cargo. So they've limited the bookings for IPI. The other thing that has happened is vessels have been skipping ports. Vessels have been delayed in LA Long Beach. So imagine you're sitting in <clears throat> a large port like Shanghai or Ningbo or anywhere, and you book against a vessel that's got an ETD of say the, the 1st of July. And, and then all of a sudden, the ship doesn't arrive because it's still sitting waiting for a berth. So, and it doesn't arrive for another 10 days. So what happens to your allocation if you've got 10 containers a week under a contract or 100 containers, whatever it is, do you think the carriers give you another allocation for that week? No, you lose it. It goes with that ship whenever it goes. In the meantime, that week is dead. And, and that is what's happening. So as the rates have gone up, uh, a lot of the contracts are only partially honored by the carriers. And, and, and this is the first year I've seen carriers walk away from, uh, you know what a BCO is, which is basically, which we call a beneficial cargo owner. And it's basically um, not the forwarder, but the person that takes title to the goods. So it's what the shipping lines call a BCO. And, and that company, um, you know, all of a sudden is not getting their allocation fulfilled. So they're going to the NVOCCs. The NVOCCs are buying in the spot market. But today, it's not just about the ocean freight rate. You know, I, I talk a lot about the indexes. I, I, I say that the indexes, I don't care what it is with the Shanghai Freight Exchange, whatever, they're broken because they'll tell you that this, the, the rate is 6,000 or whatever it is. And they publicize that. And then the CEOs of all the big American companies, they go to their people and they say, why are our rates not this cheap? Because they're not accounting for the premium charges. So that's the, the theoretical basic uh, price, but that's not what paying uh, people are really paying for. Well. Right. Yeah. So so there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, they're, they're they're like I said, everything's a bit broken. Uh, the vessels are out of sync. Uh, Suez made it worse. Uh, the crisis in Yantian or YICT made it even more worse. Uh, you know, because there was a backlog of about 160,000 containers, which is not yet cleared up. Yeah, just for, for people to, to understand. So Suez, I think everybody understands yet that the canal of Suez was, was blocked for about a week um, by that, that huge uh, ship. And that, that sort of um, puts a lot of the, 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 the ships on pause that were going to and from uh, Europe, right? Europe to Asia. Uh, and then Yantian is the, the main port of Shenzhen. Uh, and 
uh, I think the west side of Yantian had some COVID cases and then they, they shut it down uh, for two or three weeks. And yeah, they, they, there were some uh, satellite photos of a lot of ships waiting uh, uh, just, just next to it. I, I, I think Maersk had 40 vessels they announced were bypassing Yantian, Hepagloid 16. You know, I, th th there was a woman who's the, um, the deputy general manager of a <coughs> subsidiary of uh, Yantian port that, you know, came out with everything is well and fine. And I, I think people don't drill in deep enough to understand the backlog because you not only have a backlog of containers, you, you have so many vessels that have bypassed the port that we're bringing in empty containers that are no longer available. So, so it's over time, you know, this is gonna be felt for quite some time. Yeah, because they, I remember they said, well, you know, there's the port, the, the other port of Shenzhen, right? Uh, Chiwan. And then there's the, the port of Guangzhou in Nansha. And then right. that, but, but these ports are tiny. They've never really been developed for, even for, for long haul, uh, you know, uh, shipping, it's, it was mostly used for shipping to other Asian countries. Right, mostly shipping but, but Nansha now is over 13 million TEUs. So it's, Which it's, it's, yeah, it's Nansha. Nansha oh, okay, pretty, okay, okay. They, they've, they've grown dramatically. So they're, they're really almost neck and neck with Yantian, um, oh, but, okay. but it's, it's West, it's West. So not enough factories have gone there to really, you know, take it where it needs to go. But I think that's the direction of, of where, um, in fact, I, I talk regularly with the Port of Nansha and they, they picked up quite a few new services this year as a result of what was going on in Yantian. Okay, and did Hong Kong take any of the slack or is it just still- Not, not to my knowledge, but I think that's just because of the carriers and, and you know, a lot of this now is controlled by the carriers and what they decide to do on their routings, whether it be a blank sailing or port rotation. And sometimes that's a problem you know, because they'll bypass ports. And, you know, when we look at China, um, I was on a call on this with China tonight, you know, Ningbo is slammed. So a lot of people are draining Ningbo uh, cargo to Shanghai and people, Lunyangung, which is so small that it's sort of a dead port. So people are draining that to either Qingdao or Shanghai. And Fuzhou is really going to Xiaomen uh, because the, the carriers, you know, they have to, to service these ports they have to reposition empties in and take pulls out. So if they're bypassing those ports, um, okay. that's a problem. So they want to service the main, the big <laughs> ports, the Xiamen, the Ningbo, and the, the Qingdao, and so on, Tianjin. They don't want to go to secondary ports that actually don't even have a, a very good reputation from what I heard, like Fuzhou. Right. Complain they have a lot of problems there. Yeah, okay. Um, so. So you're saying that even the port of Ningbo, which is quite large, yes. is at full capacity and people have to go to, to Shanghai instead. Yes. That's what you said. And, wow. and you know, it, it, it typically used to be the standard was when you, you know, when, when you set up your procedures with the forwarders or whoever your booking agent is, you know, you're the, on an FOB basis, most of the companies will say, I want this booked, you know, uh, 14 days or two weeks in advance of the cargo ready date of the factory. But, you know, today it's four weeks. Everybody's booking four weeks out. July is already done. I mean, mm -hmm. we're sitting here at the end of June and that's pretty unique, but July is done. I mean, maybe you can squeeze something in because you pay more, you know, in the last week of July, but it's, it, it's already a made month. Wow. 
Yeah. So not so you need let's say four weeks at least uh, lead time. Plus you're not sure you're really gonna get on that ship anyway, right? Yes. Is, is there a lot of um, is it like the airlines where they they book extra because they know there's gonna be cancellation and then. Well, yeah. It is. It's that's always been the case because there's always been a certain fall down. But what's mm -hmm. happening now, there's no choice. Everybody's trying to get a booking, you know, out of China or out of Southeast Asia as well. So they might book with multiple parties because they don't know if that carrier is going to cancel it or not. First, you have to get the e equipment. No, first you have to make a booking. And it used to be that the the carriers you can make a booking and then they'd respond with a booking confirmation. Today, they've they've basically taken that apart. So you have people that to get the confirmation, once you make the booking, you have to go to their website, put in your booking number, uh, push, you know, find out when they're going to release equipment and keep pushing send or submit and, until you get a response. Once you get the booking confirmation, that does not mean you're going to get a container. And once you get a container, that does not mean you're going to get on the ship. I had, I had one company call me and the problem they had is they had 20 containers that were confirmed. The SOs were released. They were on their way to pick them up and the carrier canceled them at that time and said, if you pick up that equipment, we will make you pay for it and we will cancel everything. So, wow. you know, it, it's, it's a carrier's world right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, we got to live in it. Right. Wow. So that's, I think it was last week I read about 40 feet containers that were going at the rate of, 20,000 US dollar? Have you heard similar rates? I've heard 27. Oh, wow. I posted on LinkedIn this morning and somebody came back, well, with the new GRI, it'll be 30. Um, so, you know, the rates have gone up and up. Um, uh, I advise a, a few companies at a CEO, CIO level because, or CFO level, um, a, a lot of the, um, you know, C-suite, uh, C-executives in, in America woke up in the first quarter to find out that their product was um, six to eight weeks behind schedule, and it was costing them to five to six times as much. We're now at the point that it's almost 10 times as much. Um, so it's, it's, it's really hard for a lot of companies to digest. Um, and, and the problem is it's not just the ocean line now. Uh, everybody's raised their rates, the trucking companies, um, you know, everybody is is um, trying to to make an extra dime on it. So right, right. And you know, and if you think about it, yeah. last year was a record year for the entire industry. I, I can't remember what the number was, but I think they made about eighteen or nineteen billion U.S. dollars in aggregate. You know, first quarter of this year, um, they made actually I think they made fifteen billion. Sorry about that, but first quarter this year, just the first quarter, they they made 16.9 billion. Now, yeah. if, if you look at the if you look at Zim's uh, earnings release, you can sort of see what happened. And you know, when I read that, I I sort of smiled because it talked about them allocating, you know, it you know, because that's for their investors. You know, they really don't publish down the shipping market, but for investors. And who is Zim? Sorry. Zim, Zim Lines. Oh, the it's big the shipping, company. shipping company. Yeah. That's so in yeah. their earnings report, they talked about they allocated so much for contracts and they allocated so much for FAK. 
Well, if you read between the lines, you, you know, you read, oh, FAK premium. That's, that's what that's all about. Because, you know, we started this year with premium rates, where the, which were the additional charges that you put on FAK rate. So you have a contract rate, but they can't get allocation on that contract rate. So they go to an FAK rate, which is higher. And then very few carriers honor just a plain FAK rate without a premium. So you got a premium on top of that. So if you got an FAK rate of $7,000, which I think is what the Drury Index says it is, then you add the pre premium charges are anywhere between six and $8,000. The highest one is $9,999. I think it's O&E to the East Coast. Now, 18 months ago, an all-inclusive ocean freight rate was $2,400 to the East Coast and about 15 to 1600 to the West Coast. Don't remind people, they, they, you know, this is really crazy, just crazy, crazy. So, wow. What, and what about air freight, actually? Because we, we hear a lot about sea freight, but what about air freight? Since there's fewer um, passenger flights, there's less capacity for carrying cargo, is that right? Yes, Does that also right. have an impact on- so, so um, it, it is. I, I talked to a friend of mine that's with one of the big China-based master loaders for air freight. What he told me um, on Monday, uh, I guess that was yesterday, um, is, is he told me already some of the big brands are securing air freight for this holiday season because everybody's big concern is to make Christmas. And right now, as I've recommended a lot of companies last year, you, you got to increase your lead time about four to six weeks. But right now, you really need to think about eight to 10. So a lot of people are concerned that they need the air freight space for Christmas. And some of these companies typically, you know, about 10% of the total volume, product volume is going air freight. And what I learned this last week is that some of these companies are gearing up to do 90% air freight. That's meaning moving hundreds of containers at a time in the air. Wow. Is there enough capacity for that? There isn't, but you know, I mean, it's just the same way with the ocean right now. Um, there's not enough capacity on the ocean side, there won't be enough capacity on the air. And, and rates will probably go back to what they were when there was the big demand for PPEs and all the charter, which will be 14 to $16 a kilo. So very expensive air freight this summer and, and, and through September, October, basically. For, for the holiday. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Wow. But, but if you're if you're a footwear or a an apparel company or you know somebody that's dealing with a higher value product, you know, you, you can pull it off. Not everybody can do that. Right, right, right. If you do smaller electronics, um, right. high value, yeah, that, that might make sense. If you do um, furniture, maybe not. Okay, that makes sense. So how have have you seen uh, a lot of impact already on um, importers because a lot of companies were, you know, buying year in year out some some products, maybe furniture products. I mean, th th these ones are very very hot hits these days, right? And 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 actually clearing out a margin of say ten percent. You know, I mean, I remember when Trump put the, the tariffs in place, a lot of companies said, "Wow, you know, I I'm already losing money if if uh, if this tariffs apply." I mean. The suppliers have to 
get the price down. I get the get my setting price up. You know, otherwise we're not afloat anymore. So actually, the, the current situation is probably even even worse for for a lot of companies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, companies are struggling. There have been a number of companies that have already gone out of business. Um, it, it's it's not easy. You know, I, one company I talked to. They said, John, we don't know how to budget. We don't know how to plan. And that, that's the biggest issue is, you know, how do you, how do you budget for a year to where every two weeks the rates are changing and, you know, you can't get your contract honored. You know, this is the first year I saw carriers walk away from old relationships because, you know, they obviously wanted the spot market. Right, right, right. The money now, because... The old relationships actually were, were never very profitable, right? In normal right. times, I guess that's the problem. I, I, um, I, I heard a couple of carriers say, well, you know, for the customers that have been beating them up over the years, it's, it's, it's you know. Yeah, uh, the, the table is reversed. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they're the ones with the feet on the table. Right? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, wow. But right now, a lot of companies are really relying on, on the NVOCC. So NVOCC market. What, 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 what does that stand for? You say oh, that okay. A shipping line is a VOCC or a vessel operating common carrier. That's the technical term for it. Uh, an NVOCC is a non-vessel operating common carrier or a forwarder. Uh, okay. You know, that term is really only, probably only used in the US. Uh, you know, going to Europe, things like that, they just call it a forwarder, but for some reason, the Federal Maritime Commission made a distinction between a forwarder and an NVOCC. Basically, it means those are the companies that have contracts with carriers. They issue their own bill of ladings. Uh, mm-hmm. And so companies go to them uh, for space. And right now, that's what everybody is doing is looking for two, three, four, five NVOCC forwarders to help get whatever space they can get. And yeah, the result has been. The market share of the forwarding community now is above 50%, which is not something the carriers like to see. So I think it's about 54% right now versus at the beginning of the last year was about 44%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, okay. Well, I mean, we, thanks a lot for all of this, this information. Uh, it's, it's, it's really nice to, to go uh, you know, as close as possible to the source and someone who's been tracking all of the all of these um, all of these changes uh, since last year. So you, you mentioned you have a team in in, uh, in in China. Is is that correct? Yes. And and so you you work with your clients to uh, actually plan ahead, as you mentioned, and uh, find the right the right approach that that makes sense for them. Is, is that right. So so I represent a company called Worldwide Logistics, which is a, a China based forwarder. They're very large. About 1,600 people on the ground, 38 offices. So I represent them in North America. And so we do business with other companies in the U.S. that want to access their contracts and uh, their carrier uh, strength. They did about 707,000 TUs uh, last year, mostly out of China uh, to the rest of the world. So I'm responsible for North America. And, you know, we've we've just grown dramatically over the last four years. and we continue to grow even this year. Uh, but so there's a team there that supports what I do. And, and, and that's how I got started in tracking this. Uh, the COVID. Yeah. Uh, a woman yeah. named Cherry Zhang, who, who, who started 
feeding me information on factories. And then we started putting these things together for our clients. And then it went viral. I mean, you know, so um, thousands of companies now receive this. Yeah, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll make sure to mention that in the, in the show notes. Uh, please send me the link and I, 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 will, I will post it out because I think some, uh, some listeners uh, would be interested actually in, um, you know, having access to, to this, this information, especially uh, refreshed every week. Well, thanks a lot, John. I would also include a link to uh, your LinkedIn profile and, and, and your company. I mean, you. you Thank you, you Renaud. I, I, I follow you regularly on Factory Matters, so uh, I appreciate thanks. your posts. <laughs> nice. I learn a lot. Right. To all the listeners, uh, thanks. Again, go, go to the show notes to, uh, to get some links if you want to connect to, to John Monroe, J-O-N-M-O-N-R-O-E. You can also find him on, on LinkedIn. And having said that, again, thanks a lot, John. And thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.